Live from Las Vegas, the Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. When that coffee is ready, I'm ready too. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show, wherever and however you may be watching and listening. We are live on all social media platforms iHeartRadio, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram is where you can like, follow, and subscribe to the show. Also on the Fox D Network. Boy, we've got a stacked one at least this whole entire weekend. I'm super excited about it. World Cup, we finally determined exactly our opponents, Argentina, against France. Kylian Mbappe against Lionel Messi. And this could be Messi's last time in the World Cup. I mean, what a story. What a story. And of course, today, too, we've got Croatia and Morocco fighting for that third place spot. So there's a lot in store here uh, for today. And of course, um, everything also upcoming for this entirety of the weekend. NFL. Uh, it's never looked better before. I mean, we're in the best time of the year. In December, it's cold. Like last time I checked outside here in the Vegas Valley, it dropped down to 26 degrees early in the morning. Like <laughs> it's getting cold this time of year, but what a year. Um, Key Williams of Key in the Building will be joining me here in just about a few minutes. So we've got a good one today. And then tomorrow, of course, we've got the one and only Bobby Montagna of the Beantown Breakdown will join us tomorrow. So we've got a good stacked show this weekend. All right. So, so reports have been coming out. And so far, it is, um, it has been cleared. So the New York Jets, they are playing the Detroit Lions at home tomorrow and their starting quarterback, it's not going to be Mike White. He's not cleared, got banged up and beat up all around his ribs. He's going to be out. So in comes Zach Wilson. Listen, we are given only X amount of opportunities in life, especially when it comes to job opportunities, when it comes to redeeming ourselves, depending on the... Um, depending on the history of someone's life from their past experience. And sometimes when given the opportunities, only two ways of that can happen. Number one, it could change your demeanor and it could change the way you think. And it will give you a much more broader and bigger picture in your mind or the other you get the opportunity, but you still kind of carry on the same, um, the same attitude, the same, you know, focus, all the rest of it. And then that's where that opportunity now starts to fade away. We are going to see how Zach Wilson will answer back. All of our questions will be answered this Sunday. Listen, I've said this about Zach Wilson 
in the last couple of weeks. He's a good kid. I think he's got a really good arm. He's got talent. He can obviously move out of the pocket. He's so reliable of moving out of the pocket more than he is of being comfortable within it. I get it. The Jets have obviously, you know, dealt with injuries on the offensive line. I think they're probably going to move off of Mekhi Becton and probably go for somebody either in free agency or in the draft. And I get that. But the biggest thing about Zach Wilson unlike what Mike White can do. And Mike White, he's poised in the pocket. Accurate. I mean, a kid that the Jets didn't even realize, hey, we have a pretty good potential if he's a bridge or he's a franchise quarterback. And I think Mike White possesses both. Very accurate, very strong. This is where Zach Wilson comes in, in a moment and in a time where Mike White, absolute dog, gets just pummeled, and he's hurting. When you watch the um, the post game walking back into that locker room, oh, he he could barely even feel his entire midsection. I mean, it was banged up. So these are heavy shoes to fill, and Mike White proved one thing: that you don't need to be a Patrick Mahomes. You don't need to be a Justin Herbert. You don't need to be a Josh Allen to at the very least work this offense. And the Jets got great pieces. Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, the running back committee. Now, imagine it if Brees Hall didn't get shut down for the entirety of the year. If he didn't tear his ACL, this offense would be spectacular. It'd be unbelievable. And parts of those reasons. I mean, the Jets, this is not rocket science. This is kind of the thing that they are trying to teach and they are trying to um, explain to Zach Wilson. I mean, young kid, he's he's small. And there's times where I don't even know if he's coachable or I don't even know if he's willing to adapt to, you know, um, adversities and sometimes chaos. Sometimes there are franchises that carry up a lot of baggage. The Jets were definitely one of them because the Jets over time, they've been going coach after coach, quarterback after quarterback, and they haven't made the playoffs probably since 2010. And it was a completely different roster by then. The defense was great. The offense was absolutely stagnant. Like it, it, it was stunning. And You're seeing the potentiality of the New York Jets being better. And sometimes, I mean, hey, the Brady effect, the fact that Brady leaves, Bills are getting better, Dolphins are getting better, Jets are on the rise, and they're getting better. But all of our answers, but all of our questions will be answered about Zach Wilson come this Sunday. I do think he's a good kid, but there's going to be points of it that has he learned that since his time being benched for Mike White? Because you're not going to get opportunities like that. And in life, something about you deep down inside. You know, if, if, if you're in a company and people just see that, even your bosses, they see something that doesn't seem to look right or feel right. They don't, they don't demote you or any of that for just no reason. There's always reasons for it. It's not to have a reaction. 
It's to basically to look from within. And if you're willing to put in a lot of that adjustment and you're willing to kind of do a lot of soul searching from within and make those adjustments to be even better, two times as better. I've seen people do it. There's times where I've seen people's talents, but then I've also seen what else is there from deep within and how can they be better at what they do? I mean, there have been successful, you know, there's been successful business people and there's also been some that they've had their successes and now everything's starting to trend downwards. What will we see in Zach Wilson and whether or not he can quarterback in this league? Because the Jets, they they took a risk at him. Number two overall pick. And the last thing you need is just a throwaway pick as a first rounder. And that's where I think when Zach Wilson starts up against the Lions, and I've got my prime predictions, that's going to be on the bottom of the hour. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this game goes, but I, I'm kind of excited about it. All right, real quick before we bring up Key. Um, so the World Cup Finals tomorrow, and I think it's a great narrative. So Argentina against France, Lionel Messi versus Kylian Mbappe. And both of them have played together or they played on opposing sides in the same league. Um, my thoughts on the World Cup, though, wow, what a what an interesting turn of events that it was this year. And now, mind you, the World Cup is every four years. And when people tune into the World Cup, they are so plugged in. It's a big thing. I mean, I can't imagine that if the NFL was ran the same similar way as soccer was. But they won't. It's impossible. <laughs> the schedules are obviously different. The game is, 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 is sped up and it's much faster. And it's, it's very global, too. The fact that we're having the NFL in London, in Munich, and in Mexico, and in several other places and still expanding globally, like, it's very hard. But in the World Cup, because this has been going on for years and years and years and years, what did we get out of this World Cup? We got a mixture of talented teams that obviously they formed up and they've got the right people. And then we got great stories. Just look at who's going to be playing today. Croatia and Morocco. What great stories we've heard from this team, from those teams themselves. I mean, Morocco in South Africa, like they, they put together a great display. They've upset a lot of teams, including Portugal. And they play great defense. So the part of the narrative of the World Cup is, is because it, like everything's all on the line. Like, this is the Super Bowl of soccer. That's what it's all about. And you lay everything on the line from each game and to each matchup. And the only thing, what drove me crazy, is I think this year, unlike the years I've watched the World Cup, this was like, there was way too much flopping. And to me, it was driving me crazy. 
because I'm watching a lot of these players. And when I see a lot of these, like, you know, attackers, and then of course the defense, like there was so much flopping left and right. This is not the NBA. Like, don't bring the NBA into soccer. Because here's the thing. Players are going to collide with themselves. Players are going to accidentally step on their feet. And sometimes, too, you're in a World Cup setting. Refs are going to swallow the whistle. It's not like one of those points where, you know, you have, um, like, I'll give you an example. The time we watched... Uh, when we watch James Harden in, in Houston, it's not going to be one of those points where you're going to be expecting a foul each time because of one little tap on the arm. That's not how this works. You know, you're you're playing for you're playing for a title for your country. Like this, this is bigger than what it is. So in those settings, yes, the whistles are gonna be swallowed because they're not gonna call those types of flops. But I felt like this year, it looked like that there were a bunch of flops that had been called. And I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment that I would make it going into 26. So, um, but I will say, I mean, a lot of the, the big time teams. So I'll tell you this, the U.S. national team, because a lot of, a lot of Americans were just absolutely grilling the coach of the of the US national team. Why? First of all, these kids are young. You know what the average age range was for the US national team? It was close to 22-23. That was the age range. You got a 19-year-old kid playing in the national team with the opportunity to make a name for himself. And Christian Prolisic, I mean he's he's unstoppable. He's a great player. There is potential in this team. Could you imagine like four years from now, these kids being 27, 28, they're going to have the experience. They've already narrowed down the pressure. I mean, good God. Do you guys remember the time they played England? I didn't even think that they were going to end up going toe to toe against England like that. The defense was great. They didn't even allow any goals or opportunities, even for big time guys like Harry Kane. They, they played massive defense. That gives me such positive hope into what the national team will do in 26. And here's the best part. The World Cup is here in home soil. World Cup is in home soil in 26. So that is going to give you a big time boost. But overall, I watched a lot of these teams. And I mean... U.S. gets knocked out, but we kind of had a feeling of it. The team was too young, but they're building. They're building as they go. Brazil, Neymar Jr., what a shocker. That was an absolute heartbreak for Neymar. Um, Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, if we're watching Lionel Messi tomorrow, this will be his last stretch of the World Cup. And then I think at that point... He might continue to play in some leagues, but this might be his last World Cup in his career before he calls it. And Messi is an amazing player. Most people don't like him. Most people don't even um, don't know so much about him. But globally, what an amazing player. And Kylian Mbappe is another one that's going to be a big time name. Same with the thing. Same with uh, with Neymar. So 
this World Cup was absolutely just, it was a World Cup full of upsets. Lots of big time teams went down. I mean, England went down. I thought that they were a very good, tough team. Brazil, Portugal, um, and and it's crazy to think. And even too, Mexico. I mean, people were thinking Mexico had the shot, but it was a little too late. So uh, this this will be entertaining. And I think both these players who are very familiarized with each other and playing in the same leagues, whether on the same on the same side of the field or you know on opposing sides, um, this is going to be a great World Cup. But two of those stories, Croatia and Morocco, I give them props. They've built together a really good roster defensively, offensively. They were very strategic. I mean, their attackers were just kind of coming left and right, opening up opportunities. And so I think this was a great World Cup. But like most things, you would expect big-time teams to show up. Argentina, they made their first loss, and then all of a sudden they go on a ride. And then – you know, France, they've won the World Cup last uh, four years ago, looking to be back to back. Hasn't been done since 1967. So there's a lot of histories that's going to be written tomorrow. But I, those are my thoughts as, as far as what I thought of the World Cup this year, what needs to be adjusted in 26. And I think for all of us as Americans, and people even, even asked me, they were like, Jake, what are you repping for? I said, well, I'm American born and bred. So of course I'm going to go with the US. And then my family's background, like they're Mexican. Italy didn't even make it into the World Cup, which is a shocker because usually Italy does produce a lot of real good soccer talents, but they never even made the cup. They 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 couldn't even get past the qualifying just to get into the World Cup. So of course, I would rep for Italy if they were able to get their stuff straight. And then there's Portugal. And my last name being Silva, I mean, good God, did you look at the entire roster? There was literally like six different Silvas on that roster. So, <laughs> but it is, um, but that is part of my heritage. So there are four teams that I normally rep for. But if anything, I always do rep for our national team. But I do have really good, positive, high hopes for them in 26. But this is the thing. You wait four years for everybody is invested in. It's hard. I can't imagine the NFL being like that. It would be nearly impossible. Good God. We'd be we'd be pulling our freaking hair hair out. We'd just be like four years of this stuff. You're hoping that you got Super Bowls in every matchup. So <laughs> with that, um, really good colleague of mine and it goes all the way back to our former network. Really amazing. And she does absolutely, she's absolutely like the bread and butter that makes a lot of stuff happen. And she's put in all of the hard work. Absolutely love her work and love her content as well. Big time straight from Philly. And of course, is always in the building. So joining me here via the Global Satellite Network presented by StreamYard, Key Williams. So, all right. Um, so a lot of talks. As far as with we're, – we're close to the end of the season. We're in week 15. we got three weeks left. So a lot of these talks are um, watching the um, watching the Eagles play and watching Jalen Hurts 
week after week, it's like he's not missing a pep in his step. He's not losing it. He's getting better every week. Um, my big thing is, and I'm sure you talked about this before in the previous show, but um, I, when I look at MVP, I'm looking at somebody who's adapting so well to the, the the play calling and the system, and I think it's worked perfectly. And the offense has gotten better ever since they acquired A.J. Brown. So do, is it safe to say that making a case for MVP – I mean, Jalen Hurts has to absolutely be up on the top of that category. Am I right? No, you definitely are right. Um, we all we all know what Patrick Mahomes can do. It's, it's Patrick Mahomes. He he got the stats. He's on a Kansas City team, who's pretty good. He got a stand up head coach and Andy Reid, who was here in Philly. You know his time came up short. Fourteen seasons here in Philly. He went to five AFC championships. Went to the Super Bowl. Came up short against Tom Brady. And, you know, the good story book had to come to end. He had to write another chapter somewhere, and it so happened to be in Kansas City. So any player on an Eagles team that was drafted by Andy Reid, Jason Kelsey, uh, Lane Johnson, all those guys will tell you how big Andy Reid is. So for Andy Reid to go out and get a Patrick Mahomes, it fits right in his system. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. We had Carson Wentz. We all seen how Carson Wentz was. Now all Eagles fans was all butthurt when they drafted Jalen Hurts. I wasn't. I was fine with it because you know the the, the uh, with Carson Wentz and his injuries. Mm -hmm. 2017, yes, we know he had an MVP-like season. And unfortunately, he went down for that knee injury. And he hasn't gotten better since then. So why not have that insurance for Jalen Hurts? Uh, everybody was ready to write off Jalen Hurts again. Rome's not building a day. That's where my infamous instant speech came from. It, it's not instant. It's not mashed potatoes. It ain't grits. It's not oatmeal. It's not It's not built in five minutes. It <laughs> takes time. So um, Hertz got in, uh, into the system with four games remaining. Perfect time to put him in because we, we're not winning anything. Then mm -hmm. he gets a whole full season with a new coach at that. Nick Sirianni comes in. Okay. We've seen it with Sirianni can do. Shane Steichen comes in as well. Big time offensive coordinator. We all know what he can do over there when he's with the Chargers. Had Justin Herbert eighth in the eighth uh ranked eighth <clears throat> offense. So we all know what Shane Steichen can do. Season last year, we wasn't supposed to go to the playoffs at a mm -hmm. nine and seven record. People was looking at me with 99 heads, and I was like, the Eagles are gonna go nine and seven, not ten and seven. He almost did nine and seven. We didn't win a division, but we get into the playoffs as a wild card, and of course we lost to Tom Brady. So we wasn't supposed to be in that that playoff situation. But Sirianni then found it. Oh, we need to run the ball, so mm -hmm. we run in the ball, and we lose. So what did Howie Roseman do? Howie Roseman went out and grabbed pieces around Jalen Hurts to surround him with pieces he needs. He drafts Devontae Smith. He gets in the AJ Brown on draft day. He moves up to get Jalen uh, Jordan Davis. He's putting pieces around these guys. And then when we lost to Washington, knowing because of our run game, what did he go do? And Dominic and Sue, Linval Joseph, he brings in a Robert Quinn. He's bringing in pieces to surround Jalen Hurts. And for y'all to say, oh, well, is it the system or is it Jalen Hurts? You got to give it to Jalen Hurts because each game he's gotten better. 
since last year, they say, oh, he can't throw. He's worked on his deep ball accuracy. Oh, he can't do this. He runs too much. He wants to stand in the pocket. There's been games where he hasn't ran at all, and he stayed in the pocket and delivered bombs to A.J. Brown. Look at the Tennessee game, 35-10. to 10. I don't think he really ran that much. He was throwing bombs to A.J. Brown. He was throwing mm-hmm. bombs to Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. <clears throat> Harry Roseman and this Eagles coaching staff has done an amazing job Surrounding pieces by Jalen Hurts. <clears throat> Even with last year, he didn't have those pieces. He had Devontae Smith. He still had Dallas Goddard. He still had the running attack. But you've seen him, and y'all ready to write him off for one full season. This is his first time ever starting a full season. Mm-hmm. Say year two, he's with the same coaching staff. He doesn't have to switch anything. He's gotten better. He worked out with the GOAT. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about Peyton Manning, even though Peyton Manning is a good quarterback, but he went to Tom Brady on the offseason. It was like, what can I do? What can I do? So he worked He worked out his mechanics, and I honestly think this is why Jalen Hurts should be his front runner for MVP. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And the fact of watching him, like, this was this was the crazy thing because the um, the scouting report when he got drafted from a lot of those um, – from a lot of draft scouts was he pro- he runs a lot you know watching him in Oklahoma and, and seeing and this is the crazy thing he had several like he had pedigrees of coaches that were really good like you know he starts out with um Nick Saban in Alabama and until Tua ends up taking his spot then he goes to Oklahoma in the transfer portal and then he meets up with Lincoln Riley is automatically a big time guy that is a great quarterback, um, runs a lot, opens up the pockets at times, you know, and then he goes into the NFL. And my, in th- the thought of it was, is could he be a guy being comfortable in the pocket? You know, can he make those big time throws? Can he do all that? Um, so by that year, when he was with Doug Peterson, I mean, yeah, it was an absolute mess. Like, Carson Wentz was inaccurate and then there were the injuries and then all of a sudden, you know, the big time, you know, the, the, the benching for Jalen hurts to seeing what he's got. Um, you know, it was, it was a shocker and it was huge on the headlines until, you know, they changed up coaches. Now you have Nick Sirianni and you got Shane Steichen and it's like the previous year they were two and five to start. And then all of a sudden they're riding this wave. They're riding this streak. They're running the football more often because they're built for speed. They're also throwing the ball, um, you know, several times to where they're able to get it accurately to a lot of big time pieces. And now this year, offensively, I'm not seeing any holes. I'm like, this offense is producing almost 30 points per game. And defensively, I'm not even seeing any holes. Like I mean, except the running attack. I mean, we got our slashes where our run defense, but I mean, I just feel like ever since Sirianni, I mean, not Sirianni, Nick, uh, how are we bringing those holes um, to fill up the the running? It, it's been it's been good, but you know, you still got to tackle. That's been our that's our main issue. We don't know how to tackle to save our lives. Um, so that's that's always been our 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 Achilles heel. We got to wrap up better, but. I still feel like the Eagles have a solid defense. I think they're, I think it's San Fran, and then I believe we're right under San Fran. So, yeah, and I think they're they're right now. If I remember correctly, they're right there up on the top ten of big time takeaways. Like there are guys that could obviously, you know, these are guys that can literally hit you up front, and not to mention too, they're willing to get after the football. Like 
any time that you're up there up in Philly and it's a hard town, it's a hard crowd. And the second that you see the Eagles, they are they are honestly wired and they're ready to roll. And the second I watch that defense, even the secondary with James Bradbury and Darius Slay and a lot of these guys, I mean, I was very happy of the fact that they were able to address the secondary position because it was like in some ways you can't get beat over the top because the second you got fast wide receivers there, it's not pretty in the end. Um, but watching that and, you know, and, and going to the division because the Eagles, they obviously have clinched the division by a long shot. And you're watching also the other three teams, the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Commanders, all three of them. And this, this will be a big one because you got the Giants and the Commanders on Sunday night. And that is going to determine because do I think, <clears throat> do I think Taylor Heineke is better than Daniel Jones? That's kind of tough because the fact of, Taylor Heineke, since being the starter and sitting out Carson Wentz, even with the injury. Um, now, remember, you got Chase Young back, so you've got a pass rush. So in the same time, in the same instance, if Brian Dable has a plan in place, then it could pan out for the Giants. But I don't know. It just kind of feels like the Giants have been let off the gas. I love Brian Dable. I think he's a perfect coach, but I don't think they have the right um, – I don't think they have the right playmaker in Daniel Jones. And then watching the Cowboys, I don't know what to think of them. I'm like, they're either going to be knocking you in the teeth if you're weakened up. Like if you're if you're coming into Dallas banged up, they're just going to take advantage of it. And if you're a tough team that's got an awful lot of um, – they've got an awful lot of talent and they're very physical, which is what I think that the Eagles are, I can't wait for that. Because Cowboys and Eagles, that's really going to determine whether or not, like, will the, could the Eagles possibly unravel or will it just validate everybody's points about what we feel about the Cowboys? Like that, And I look at that entire division and it's like, they are winning. How in the world are they winning? I, know the, I, I knew the Eagles were going to take the step ahead. I did not see the Dallas Cowboys make that big of a jump. And neither did I see this with the Giants and the, and the Commanders. So I'm like, you know, when looking at this division, is this, when we look back into the season, like, were there, I mean, there was an awful lot of stuff to be addressed, but is this now making this much more exciting for NFC uh, East division fans? Like, the fact that you've got all four teams that are really playing it on all, cylinder, uh, all cylinders. Can't call us the NFC least no more. Um the NFC East it was supposed to be the AFC West. That was supposed to be that division being that good, having damn near all four teams be that great. Um, the Eagles, again, I had them 12 and 5. So for them, they're, they surpassed my record. They're, they're 12 and 1. So <clears throat> they shocked me on some games because some games I had them losing and I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, one, all right. I, I I did have honestly, I did have them splitting with Washington. Um, mm -hmm. I had them winning. I had them losing the first matchup with Carson Wentz. That's why yeah. I had them um, totally mm -hmm. flip flop. Um, we killed Carson Wentz, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> the Giants started off really hot. Um, again, you cannot blame Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen this this whole career with the Giants. He don't have nobody to throw to. Mm -hmm. Who is he? Who is he throwing to? Slayton yeah. can't catch and save his life. 
And Sterling Shepard can't stay on the field. When he had Evan Ingram, he couldn't catch. Galladay, where's he been? Yeah. So, now I will say Richie James, he could, you know, he he's up and coming. And I th- I think he'll be a real good piece if he stays consistent. So it's like, who has Daniel Jones been throwing to? It's just really him and Saquon, and he's been keeping them in games. Their defense has stepped up a little bit, but it's just like you where who is Daniel Jones throwing to? And he, if you put Daniel Jones surround him with a good offensive line and have a serviceable weapons in receiving court. Daniel Jones will thrive in the NFL. And he can he can run too. He's he can he's mobile. You give him a chance, he can take off. But I just feel like he doesn't he's he, I think the Giants aren't sold on him right now. They they mm-hmm. not they're not taking his fifth year option. I think Daniel Jones he would go somewhere else and shine or y'all gotta y'all gotta put place y'all gotta put pieces around him. Mm-hmm. Y'all gotta put pieces around Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Um I do like Daniel Bellinger tight end from um San Diego State. I do like him. He's up and coming. He's a good piece for them. I just feel like if you if you're going to keep Daniel Jones, give him pieces. Now Washington, um, again, they're they're really good too. Don't sleep on their defense. Don't sleep on their offense. Jahan Dotson, and then you got Scary Terry on the other side. You got a good running back and Brian uh, Robinson Jr. Knowing he came back from getting shot, and he's he's running great. Uh, Antonio Gibson's uh, out there. They still got the tight end. And their defense is still elite. So don't sleep on the Commanders. When the Commanders play the 49ers, that's going to be an interesting game. Um, the Commanders shouldn't have lost to the Giants. Ends up in the tie. I think this tie is going to going to mess them up. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I think it'll be interesting watching that Sunday night game because the fact that um, I'm, getting a, I'm getting a pass <laughs> rush back um, and Chase Young, I mean, it's been long overdue at that point. And to be honest, when I look at the rest of the NFC, because the only teams that I'm very trustworthy on are the Eagles. Um, and I would make, I, I would say, um, <clears throat> I would honestly say like for the West, I, I trust the 49ers. Those mm-hmm. are the only two teams. Minnesota, I love their offense. But sometimes the, like, like the defense right now, they've they've taken their foot off the gas. They haven't even looked like and like the best defense there. So I don't know if that has to deal with key injury or if that has to deal with an inconsistency on certain play setups, but I, I, I can't trust them. And similar with the Cowboys. I don't know what kind of Cowboys team I'm gonna Yeah, get. you don't know. You definitely don't know what the Cowboys which team you're gonna get. Um mm-hmm. they 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 signed TY Hillen. And then yeah. now you're signing Odell. Jerry, what are you doing? I, I don't under I don't understand it. I, I really yeah. don't. You go get a T.Y. Hilton who's injury prone. Mind you, T.Y. Hilton is, is amazing when he's healthy. He mm-hmm. he he he's healthy. He's good. Same thing with OBJ. Now you know he's not gonna be here regular season. Y'all hoping here he's here for a playoff push. And then after that, he's gonna go somewhere next year. Yep. Jerry, what are you doing? You y'all are that desperate mm-hmm. to try to stay afloat with these other teams. That you you get a T.Y. Hilton and an OBJ, but and here's the funny thing with these wide receivers because if Dak is throwing the football 50 times, he does not have a good Cowboys record. Cowboys not winning. Exactly. Yeah, Cowboys are not winning. But if he's throwing less amount of it, and you're giving the ball to Tony Pollard, and you're giving it to um to Zeke, and then you're lo- allowing guys like Micah Parsons and the rest of that defense to really play a big time, you're winning games. But it's like. It, 
the biggest thing that, that's why I, I mentioned about the big argument with the fact of you're going to pay Dak Prescott 40 million a year. Just understand that is exactly the quarterback you're going to get. He does not have a specialty with him. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Justin Herbert. And he's certainly not uh, Josh Allen. So it's like, you know, you can't, you cannot rely on Dak Prescott in those positions. You only can trust him at least to throw the ball 25 or 30 times in the game. And any more than that, you you could kind of kiss that opportunity goodbye. Because at that point, Dallas is going to get exposed to it. They know with what accuracy that Dak Prescott has. but And then he's going to be overly relying on defense to make stops. So it's like, I, I, I don't know. But my, I did want to point this out because, of course, um, <laughs> Micah Parsons – Obviously making his case known and, you know, the, and, and again, the Eagles, they make great responses. I love it every time when I see like just the two teams um, just talking each time um, and facing against the Cowboys, that's going to be a, a difficult matchup on both sides because number one, you can't allow Jalen Hurts to at the very least be comfortable in that pocket. Otherwise he's, gonna tear it up downfield with a lot of his weapons and for Dallas I mean it's having to stop the run game because if Dallas is running that football cleanly then now you got to find ways to adjust and adapt I mean I, I I do I do think that if that came down to the point where it's a divisional round matchup I mean just getting that kind of preview I think that would be nuts um, it's only happened. I'm sure it's happened a couple times, but from what I remember, it happened. Um, Dallas in the regular season, and then we played in the first round. Donovan McNabb, I, I, from from the big gate with that game, the way Donovan was coming out, playing around, I was like, we losing this game, we losing this, and what we did, we lost the game. So, um, but this is a different. This is a different team. We played in the first time. The last time that. The Cowboys is running their mouth way before the time. Ask D-Law what happened. Mm-hmm. Ask D-Law what happened. So I feel like Michael Parsons, yeah, everybody, he's entitled to his opinion. You can't mm-hmm. get mad over his opinion. That That's how he feels. That's how he feels. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the ones who talk the most always get punched in the mouth. Yep. So um, uh, Cowboys fans, y'all better not lose to the Jags because if y'all do, oh, we coming. <laughs> and the word Deion Sanders, we coming. Um, don't sleep, y'all. I, I felt like last week, Giant uh, Cowboys fans should be really humble because y'all almost lost to one team, well, one team uh, in in uh, the, uh, the the Texans. Yep, they only had one team on the belt. One win. By the way, that screwed up my betting line <laughs> because of the fact of. I, I I don't know what I was thinking. Sixteen and a half. Yeah, that's like, great. Are you it's kidding crazy. me? Like, yeah. And and I got my prime predictions at the at the end of the hour, and I went the opposite way. I'm I'm taking Jacksonville in the points because after seeing that, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not trusting that again. I'm not I'm not gonna go with that that kind of pick. Like it, it's insane. Um, but uh, so let's shift over to uh, the Sixers. So there was a story out about um, James Harden and. The fact of the matter is the Sixers right now are playing games like they're trying to keep themselves afloat. Um, 
I watched, you know, I, I watched them win, and I watched uh, Joel Embiid have a really good game. Um, but I just feel like that there, and I talked with Robert about this in the last um, in the last episode. And my big thing is whether it's a head coaching thing or it's a player's thing. I mean, you got to figure out your identity. And James Harden was willing to take the pay cut for a reasonable matter because of the fact of he does not have a title on his belt. I think he used up a lot of his talent and his energy since Houston. And then maybe bits and pieces of it, we started to see that in Brooklyn where he didn't even look the same. Um, And watching the Sixers right now, this is one of those things. And I was I was big on the Sixers before the season started because I thought they're playing really good defensively. They got rid of a lot of cancers and they got rid of a lot of problems that were up over there. But yet still more problems are are, are showing up for themselves. I don't know because I do I do think that um, I mean, Doc Rivers, he's really getting up to the t- the end of his tenure, honestly. And you got to have somebody that's willing to be innovative and creative with, you know, with these rosters nowadays. Um, I, I I don't know what kind of answer that the Sixers may have for their roster. Um, but what have you seen so far that they have to be doing, they have to do better because it is early in the season and better to have this happen then you're down late in the season and you're already having these inconsistency problems. Um, I still need, I still think the uh, Sixers still need a better bench. I still mm-hmm. think maybe we need another playmaker. Um, because after I was reading after the that loss to Miami, it James Harden admitted it broke. Mm-hmm. He didn't really talk to nobody after that. He 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 was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Um. So he came back. He said, I'm going to do whatever it takes for this team to win. So I'm going to take a pay cut so Daryl Murray can do whatever he needs to do um, to get pieces in. Okay, we get a Daniel House. Okay, role player. We get a DeAnthony Melton. We traded away Danny Green. I was happy with that because Danny Green, he got hurt. And, you know, he he's sometimey Danny. That's what I call him. So um, he's a real good three-point shooter in the corner. Three-point corner specialist. So he has his moments, his flashes, where Danny Green still can shoot the three. Mm-hmm. So we get PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, I get it. He's that villain. He's that villain role. He's that body. He's physical in defense. He's not going. You're not going to get much scoring out of uh, PJ Tucker. Um, so there were games down the stretch where he couldn't score anything, mm-hmm. but he was there defensively. He get you rebounds. I get that. You got Joel Embiid. We all know Sixers. That's Joel Embiid's team. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Maxey goes down with an injury. Um, Joel Embiid's out. Harden was out. But somehow, some way, we still found a way to beat the Milwaukee Bucks without our three main players. Yeah. We beat the Nets without our three best players. That <laughs> that was crazy, too. Um, Tobias Harris, he just has to find his role. He already knew once James Harden got here that he was going to be the fourth option. Because when Tyrese mm-hmm. Maxey's in there, it's Maxey, it's Harden, it's Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with the Sixers is they can't play this iso ball. Because what yeah. happens, they play the ISO ball with James Harden. They do the pick and roll, but it's not the pick and roll because Embiid don't like to roll to the basket. It's going to be a pick and pop situation. Embiid right. is seven feet, 280 pounds, but he can do it all. Mm-hmm. He just can't dribble to save himself. Don't, don't get him in the open field and dribble. He, he, he don't have no handles. But he got a shot like Dirk. 
He can he can turn around. He can he can fade away, jump it in your face. We all know he can drive to the basket. He can shoot the three when he's open. I just like it more when he's underneath the basket. He can get all his points. Yeah. But then the double team comes, and then he has to find the shooters in, in the spacing. So we don't have any shooters. We lost Steph Curry, who was a good, reliable shooter, in the trade with Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bring in D'Anthony Milton, who's a 3 and D guy, and he's been playing lights out so far. Um, so we, I just feel like we need shooters. George Niang is a good shooter off the bench sometime when, when he's on. It's at his days when he's hot. His days when he's cold. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, our bench isn't that great. Um, Doc Rivers still making these 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 decisions. I, I can't say Doc's not a bad coach. It's just his decision making is what drives me crazy. Um, Sixers started off really really shaky in the beginning. They're mm-hmm. turning things around. They're on a five game winning streak, I believe. We did beat the Warriors last night without Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Anthony Wiggins wasn't in the lineup. Mm-hmm. But the Warriors still found it. The Warriors still kept it close. Um. I've been. I was wanting DiVincenzo to be a sixer. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he's a three and D guy. He can play defense, and he's a shooter. Mm-hmm. But he went to the Warriors. I said it's over. It's over. But <laughs> me, me being, I love Villanova, and I know with Jay Wright, and he can produce great NBA players. Again, Jalen Brunson, uh, Sadiq Bay, DiVincenzo's another guy. So. I love and Mikael Bridges. I, I love the Nova guys. Devin Chinzo was one of the guys that I wanted Daryl Murray to pick up. I'm like, we couldn't give him two years, eight million dollars. We, we, yeah. we didn't have to get Daniel House. Don't try to get all the Philadelphia Rockets together. You're trying to get all your Rockets people to be in the Philly, the, with, with Philly. No, go get you a Devin Chinzo that's going to be a good bench piece. And I was so mad when he came out and was shooting lights out last night. 15 points off from three. Yeah. So oh, just, wow. So I feel like Daryl might be cooking up something. Maybe when the trading block comes, maybe mm-hmm. he can do something. He did it last year. I don't know if Tobias Harris would be that trade pawn, but if it's going to get us another piece to get us over the hump, I'm all in for it. Yeah, and hopefully, like the Sixers, by that point, they'll start to really pick up the – they'll really start to pick themselves up because, yeah, you, you need shooters. I mean, that has been – that has been the talk of it in the last three, four years. Like they haven't had any shooters. They've been big on defense on defense, which I like. You know, you you need to have real good shot blocks. You also need rebounds, but you also got to have somebody that's going to be willing to not just shoot from the perimeter, but you got to have somebody that's shooting in the wings. Because, uh, I mean, if you're looking at wing defenders, I mean, <laughs> Milwaukee's got full of different defenders left and right, and then um, you know other teams in the Eastern. Con- I mean. I watch, I watch the Cavaliers, and they've got shooters. The second that D- Donovan Mitchell comes up, now everybody's just shooting the ball well. Like I, I'm seeing them up and coming. So it's like, yeah, it, it makes a big difference. It makes an absolute big difference when you have real good quality shooters. You got guys that are shooting it at the right places in the right spots, and um, they're distributing the ball each way that they can, especially when it comes to fast breaks. Especially when it comes to you know you you you, you got to control the floor. Um, so if the Sixers can be able to do that and at the same time, yeah, play calling, I could see why it drives Philly fans nuts. Like, because you're not making the right call in the right place. Yeah. You're going to get ripped by Philly media. Like that, that's just what, that's honestly what happens when you, when you're living in Philadelphia and you're playing for a Philadelphia team, you are going to get every kind of critic. Like (laughs) I, I tell people, 
it, yes, you have to have tough skin to live in Philly. Don't mean to play yep. in Philly. Yep. Um, it's not that we ride people. It's just because of the town. Oh, there's expectations. It's just because of the town it is. It's we, we yeah, we're, we, expectation, effort. If you go out there for, even if it's MLB, NBA, NHL, whatever sport you're in in Philly, if you go out there and give it your 100% effort and all, you will not hear nothing, no booze, no anything. But if you go out there and play poop like poop, you're gonna you're gonna get killed. <laughs> Bryce Harper said the same thing. He said yep. he's the reason why he wanted to play in Philly because of these fans. His second game here in Philadelphia, he stunk it up. The crowd let him hear it. Joel Embiid, he even said, if I play like poop, I expect the crowd to boo. Yeah, for some of these players to say, oh, don't boo. No, you can't tell us we the hard earned money that we pay to see y'all and y'all playing like crap and you telling me I don't have a I don't deserve to boo you, you are out of your mind. Yeah. A lot of fans they're gonna give it to you. Like that that's just how because here's the thing that this is why you gotta love fans. Now there's certain parts that you know, like of fans that I'm kinda like, all right, that's a little over top, but you gotta love them because they're very passionate. They're very they're going to speak their minds. That's what they're meant to do. And that's what a fan base is all about. They're going to speak their minds and do a lot of things. But if you don't, if, if you don't give them the kind of critics, how are they expected to be better? How are they expected to have any kind of motivation to be yep. better, you know, on the next night? Um, but yeah, no, it's true. That's why I'm like, I can't wait to even make a trip to Philly. I mean, the fact of just, you know, seeing the town, seeing the history, but at the same time, I mean, I, I've been in New York several times and I like, I see how New Yorkers walk around with themselves. And I've been, in, you know, in New York bar watching the Yankees play. So I'm like, I, I see this. Um, I, I can only imagine what the scenery will be for Philadelphia as well. So, uh, but yeah, can't wait. Definitely going to have that marked on my calendar at some point, but all right. Well, Key, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Really, really do appreciate it. Where can all of our viewers and our listeners find you as well with your social medias? If uh, so, it's Key in the Building everywhere. I mean, it's uh, YouTube, Key in the Building. Check out the uh, the page. Again, it's not just Philly I do. Again, I, I cover everything, mm -hmm. um, but Philly is like my main um uh, you know, go to, but like I, I do it all. It's just not, it's just not in Philadelphia. I do talk outside of Philly. So I, I can't get down with that. Um, Instagram is key in the building. YouTube's key in the building. Twitter is key in the building. Um, every Tuesday nights, me and my co-host coach Dante, we do 7,200 seconds uh, podcast. Again, we talk about all the hottest topics in 7,200 seconds. Um, again, we're on Spotify and Apple music. Uh, I mean, Apple podcast and so make sure you give us a follow. Um, also, I'm also a part of East Coast Gridiron, so I go, I'm over there always talking NFL. Again, it's not just Philly, it's everything. Um, so yeah, you can find me all over. I'm always in the building, as you say. I'm, I'm everywhere. Yep, she's always up into the building. And of course, too, 17, uh, the 7200 Seconds podcast, it's, it's literally fire. Like it is really up on the up and comings and it's been trending upwards. It's been the big time bread and butter for Key Williams. So definitely check out 7200 uh, Seconds podcast as well. Great stuff. Uh, real quick before, like at least two minutes. So I, I do want your opinion on this. And we talked about this off the air. Um, but I think this is always important. Like I, I, I like standpoints where I could listen to both sides of the story. So you're a big time WNBA fan. And obviously the biggest controversy and the biggest crucial thing. So Brittany Griner finally came out with a statement after 
um, coming back to the U.S. Um, I've said this before. Everywhere that you're at, any country or anywhere, a lot of rules and regulations are different than what the states are. Because, I mean, we're, we are blessed with the amount of privileges we have. You know, other countries don't have that. And seeing how controversial that this whole thing is. Now, in the standpoint, um, you are a woman, black woman to be specific. This is tough. Now, a lot of people have been heckling, you know, all throughout this whole thing. And to me, I'm like, this is a crucial standpoint. But what were your thoughts um, to sum it up here in, in just a couple seconds, how you felt of the scenario and what it is that I think ourselves and society really need to do better. And what, and, you know, the case scenario and the point for Brittany Griner, what needs to be better in those aspects? Yeah, I, I get it. You know, she went over to the Russia to play um, overseas because we all know WNBA uh, players don't get paid that much. Um, to play basketball. So they do have to go overseas, play, maybe um, work on the local networks as an analyst uh, to get some extra uh, money. Because you all know, you know, they don't get paid that well. Um, last season was the best ratings-wise when it came down to WNBA. And they added more games this season. So hopefully more viewership um, can, you know, look at the WNBA. Uh, congratulations to your Las, your Las uh, Vegas Aces. For, for winning the, the championship, Becky Hammond is doing an amazing job over there. Uh, Coach of the year as well uh, for Becky Hammond uh, with the Aces. But um, we all know what Brittany Griner did. You know, again, like you stated, different rules over there. Mm -hmm. um, my thing is, she went into the country with it. They didn't say anything. Now when it's time for her to return home and the whole thing with the whole war in Ukraine and in, in, in Russia – I felt like, not saying they was targeting her, but I felt, I felt like if she came into the country with it, y'all didn't say anything. Now it's an issue coming out. Mm -hmm. um, nine years, I just think that's a long time, long time for, you know, such a deep pin. Um, she was backed in the corner, and Russia knew that. Mm -hmm. It was a political move that um, the U.S. was in a tough corner. They they was in a they was in a tough bind and Russia knew where to poke holes at and knew what to do. It's either you do this or no deal. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people can say if that was LeBron James or somebody else, things would have been a rush on it. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna still say that way. I feel like if it was LeBron James, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Steph Curry, I just anybody in the NBA, I feel like. It wouldn't have lasted almost a year. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, I'm glad she's home. I'm glad that they figured out how to how to get her home. She's going to still be on the advocate to get Paul Whelan home. She's going to be still on her platform. Um, so I, I'm just glad she's home again. They just use her as a political pawn, I mean, because she's a woman. She's African American. It. It, it, it was just crazy. All that. I, um, Dawn Staley was the only one that was really fighting hard for it. Um, you know, everybody else turned their back on it. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad she's home. And she's going to play for uh, WNBA this year for the Mercury. So it, it, it's, it, that's going to be a very emotional when she steps on that court. 
um, this season. You you never know. Brittany Griner might go all in and have one of the best seasons of her career um, as a WNBA player with the Phoenix Mercury. So you never know what they're going to do. I believe Diana Taurasi is going to come back as well. So watch out for the Phoenix and 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 BG coming back on the court. Um, unfortunately, she did have to cut her hair because of the whole weather conditions over there in, in Russia. She's saying mm-hmm. it, it literally froze. And she was thinking about it for the long haul because she didn't think she was coming home. So she had to do what she had to do. So, yeah, that's that's going to be a pressurizing game. And not to mention, too, being back in the States and being back in back on the court. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, you're going to get you're going to get critics left and right. You know, and, and ultimately, you know, if you're able to handle those pressures and you're able to handle, you know, the the noise around you, I mean, <clears throat> it'll be a tough scenario itself, but hopefully it pans out and hopefully, you know, whatever the case that it may be down the stretch, hopefully it will, <clears throat> it will be a type of resolving matter as well, because the fact of, I mean, <laughs> everybody all had their opinions up on this thing. And, you know, you hear it from both sides. And, like, to me, I I try to meet more in the middle. And I try to, you know, figure that – I try to figure out how exactly that, you know, this whole entire story, how you could really balance it out. But it's it's tough. You know, it happened. And now you can only just expect – I mean, she's going to feel all the weight on her shoulders. But it's ultimately if that's the kind of thing that will be motivating for her to where she – plays better and or she knows it and she understands it and she's just now you know kind of keeping more of her private lifestyle and she's you know then you know more power to her but it will be interesting coming the next season but thank you so much kia appreciate you coming on by and we'll definitely do this again real soon have a great weekend and we will see you soon yes sir thank you jake yep key in the building and and yeah, it, it's a tough scenario, but I'm really glad of the fact that, you know, really talking about it and getting a perspective as well, because it's it's very crucial. It's very crucial on all ends. And, you know, and, and like I said, I think my big time MVP as well for this season. I mean, Jalen Hurts, he really has earned it. So I I'm all in for Philadelphia. But yeah. No, great, great hearing key and great to hearing like her points about, you know, the Brittany Griner situation. Um, yeah, it's tough. I, I don't even know. You know, it's hard to really kind of make something about of it. I mean, it's it's very, very tough. But um, but again, we we live and we learn. And seriously, it's. That's just the way that life honestly is. It really is. Um, okay, so few minutes left up on here. Bottom half of the hour, prime predictions. We were on fire last week with all of our prime predictions. Week 15, all odds are provided by Superdraft Pro. And week 15 prime predictions, here we go. Let's turn it up. It's Jake's prime prediction. Olsen Vikings. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings here, minus four. Um, Listen, I know everybody's big on the stat. Jeff Saturday playing on a Saturday. Oh, that's cute. That's fun. You know, I, I don't mind it. But looking at the Minnesota Vikings, their defense is literally, like, looking embarrassing. It has not looked the best 
Now, I do think this will be an interesting matchup because you're facing against an interim head coach, and you also have a real good offense you've got to produce with. You've got to be able to make the big-time plays, the big-time um, stops on defense. So to me, I think the Vikings right now and the way that they've been playing up on offense, they've been playing a lot of emotional games. So to me, the Vikings minus four, I like it. I do think there's a guarantee with the Vikings moving forward with their offense, but they got to figure this defense out. I'm going to take the Vikings minus four at home. Comfortable. You're going to hear skull chants everywhere. They beat the Colts 27-21 on the minus four. Ravens at Browns. I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens here plus three. Here's, here's the reason why. Um, Deshaun Watson has not looked good since his return back to the NFL after the whole uh, sexual conduct uh, act. And one thing to keep in mind, Cleveland's bread and butter has always been run the football on the field. They always do. And Nick Chubb, best running back in the league at, at best, uh, of, of at least the top. Now, the Baltimore Ravens are without Lamar Jackson, but that doesn't stop Tyler Huntley at the very least keeping this game close. Um, he's got a really good accurate stuff. Watching him in preseason, watching him in a few other games. Now, they have suffered at least a couple of injuries, but Baltimore's that kind of team you can knock them left and right, but they will never go down. And <clears throat> Cleveland's defense, and they're comfortable at home. They'll play better. They, they have full confidence. I'm sure Deshaun Watson will clean up the mess that he had in his first couple starts and will be better by this week. I'm taking Cleveland to win this game, but I'm going to take the Ravens to cover the points at plus 324-21. Division rival, I love this matchup. I think Cleveland walks away with the win, but Baltimore's going to give them something to prove. Dolphins at Bills. Okay, have you checked the weather lately out in Buffalo? It is snowing like crazy. And the Bills right now, they are on their second matchup against the Miami Dolphins. We are not in the sun. I'm going to take the Bills here, minus seven. The last two weeks for Tua Tagovailoa has not looked great. He has not looked accurate. He doesn't do well up on pressures. I think Buffalo has catched on to that, and they're going to let it all in. They're going to let it all in. By the way, Matt Milano's been playing great football as a pass rusher and as somebody that's willing to get the tackles. Um, it's cold weather, and this is not in South Beach. So that means you got snow. You've got all the elements out on the field in a game like this up in um, upstate New York. It's really, really something. So the snowball, Buffalo's used to that. I don't think Miami, with as far as their weapons and as far as what they're used to, they are going to handle that kind of weather. I think Tua in the cold, I don't think he's going to throw that accurate of a ball. In the last two weeks, when he faced off against several different opponents, he got knocked around. He got knocked around by the Niners. He got knocked around by the Chargers. So, to me, I think the pass rush up at Buffalo without Von Miller, it's still going to be really good. I think you're going to see Matt, Mil uh, Matt Milano really play his best. I'm going to take Buffalo at home, even with the snow and inclement weather. 27-17, minus 7 to me. That's a guarantee in New York. Eagles at Bears. I'm going to take the Eagles minus 9. 
Here's the thing about it. They are on the road in Chicago. Nothing surprising for Philadelphia with the cold. But here's the other thing, too. The defense has really been playing lights out. And Justin Fields, because of the way that the season has been, there has been key notable injuries. They do not have all their guys yet. Now, they do have some pieces, but it's very Justin Fields reliable. So what does that mean? That means Philadelphia is going to be coming in all in on defense. Now you have two running quarterbacks, but Chicago's defense, they're revamping. They don't have at least a lot of the star power outside of Eddie Jackson and, and several others. But Philadelphia, I feel like they're going to knock the tires off of Chicago. It's going to be an interesting game on the road, but with the way the Eagles have been playing, they've been playing fantastic. And I've been seeing exactly, there's been no holes as I've been talking with Keith about this. Jalen Hurts clearly is the runner for MVP. I'm going to take the Eagles minus 9, 30 to 20 in Chicago against Justin Fields. Falcons at Saints. I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons plus four. Mind you, they are on the road in the Superdome in New Orleans. But here's the other thing. The Falcons have been pretty good with games against the spread. So plus four, I'll take that. And by the way, no Marcus Mariota this week, which means the young rookie from Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter, is going to be starting for the Falcons. I expect Drake London to have a really interesting game. Now, the Falcons, they're a rebuilding team. New Orleans looks like they're going to be close to being a rebuilding team, but they do have a really good defense. I'm not sure questionable as far as um, offense is concerned, but they do have Chris Olave. They do have Jarvis Landry. They have a, a, several other pieces, but... The quarterback position is what's going to really determine that. Now, for the Falcons, this will be the first time that we see Desmond Ritter. No film on him. Nothing at all to show for. Always when rookie quarterbacks come in, nobody has film on them. And especially against the spread, I like it. I love the plus four. I think it's reasonable. I love it. I'm going to take the Falcons to win and cover 24 20 against the Saints. Lions at Jets. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions knowing Zach Wilson is back at quarterback. You can only hope that he's learned a thing or two since being benched for Mike White. But here's the other thing, too. In the last six games for the Detroit Lions, they have been riding this wave. They're 5-1. The offense has been looking really, really good. And a minus one? I mean, that's guaranteeing both sides. It's close to being even. But, by the way, Detroit's defense, they clean themselves up. Since the first couple of weeks that the season has started, they have cleaned a lot of their defense up. The Lions now are playing a lot better football. They're playing a lot better in a lot of those key scenarios. And by the way, did all of you sleep on Jamison Williams? Even on a small roll, you're going to watch Sauce Gardner go up against Amonra St. Brown, but you got Josh Reynolds, you got DeAndre Swift, you've got Jamison Williams, you've got an offensive committee when you're the Detroit Lions. I love their spot. This is going to be tough for the Jets, but Robert Sala is very, very well known when it comes to Jared Goff, especially at the time in San Francisco. So I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the points is reasonable. I like the final score of it. Detroit wins on the road in New York 23 to 21. 
Steelers at Panthers. I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers minus three. Um, listen, I it's tough for me to really trust Pittsburgh at this point because the run game's been atrocious. The defense has looked a little bit inconsistent. I know with injuries, it's been really, really tough. Um, but I do love a lot of their offensive pieces. I do think Kenny Pickett is going to be better at some point. But Mitch Trubisky starting. Now, this is going to be tough for the Steelers to really move the, the football. So I'm taking the Carolina Panthers at minus three. By the way, Deontay Foreman and... Um, and Chuba Hubbard have been really, really running the football well in the last few weeks. They've been running all, all over a lot of teams now in the last couple of weeks. Carolina could potentially, in their division in the NFC South, be a sneaky team to get into the playoffs if all things happen at the right point. So... Carolina's been playing really good football since the firing of Matt Rule. You bring in Steve Wilkes. The defense looks better. Brian Burns looks really amazing. And you got Derrick Brown. So, to me, I think Carolina, they're playing for an opportunity that they're going to, at the very least, have everything work in their favor to getting into the playoffs. So I'm going to take the Panthers to win 27-21 at home against the Steelers. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is really going to look that great against the, the, uh, the Panthers, and the Panthers have been red hot so far. Cowboys at Jaguars. I'm going to take the Jaguars plus four after learning my lesson about the Cowboys taking the 16 and a half. What in the hell was I thinking? Um, the Cowboys right now, this is one of those narratives that they blow out one team and then they go on the road against the Texans and that game is close to four points. I'm staying away from those high point uh, games because to me, those are traps. And I lived up in Vegas, and I don't I don't even think Vegas even figured out the Cowboys. I don't even think they figured out that entire bet line. So I'm taking the Jaguars plus four. But Trevor Lawrence is looking like the first round, the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, that we saw coming out of Clemson. Um, he looks a lot better, cleaned the football up, has not turned the ball over in the last few weeks. So to me, just, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, they are figuring out a lot of their offense. And... The Dallas Cowboys, when Dak is throwing the ball more than 30 times, they struggle. They become Dak Prescott reliant this week against the Jags. Lots of things are going to fall forward. I'm going to take the Jaguars plus four, knowing the Cowboys will still win in the game. But the Jags are going to cover the points 27-23 on the road. I think the Cowboys defense will shine. But not gonna be not gonna be you know those absolute like you know uppercuts and, and and knockouts like the Cowboys would do when teams are beaten up. This team's not beaten up. Chiefs at Texans. I'm gonna take the Texans plus 14. I'm getting sick and tired of these high point you know favorites because first of all you're writing off Houston as if they are a terrible team. Now Davis Mills did come back in as quarterback for Kyle Allen. Now. Once that changed up, defense played harder. Running game has been fantastic with Damian Pierce, and they've been playing really, really good football up until this point. Now, <clears throat> even though they're going to be up in the runnings to go in and get in the first overall pick, um, the Texans—they're known to at least cover really well against the spread. So Kansas, but Kansas City. 
their offense is looking a little bit shaky with as far as their offensive weapons are concerned with their options. They're very Travis Kelsey reliant. They do have a couple of different options, but Kansas City, people are starting to find film up on them. I don't trust that 14 points. I'm going to take the underdog points. Knowing Kansas City will win 27 to 21, but 14 points, give me a break. I rather would just do the cover up on that. I don't think it's going to be those kinds of games where they'll knock you out very easily against the Texans. Cardinals at Broncos. I'm going to take the Denver Broncos. No Kyler Murray up to this point now after tearing his ACL, which means Cole McCoy is in at quarterback. Um, I think Denver does have a real shot because the defense is still explosive. They're still able to get to the quarterback and they are able to put pressure on. Even if the offense sucks, you still got a really good defense that knows how to stop um, opposing offenses from scoring. And Patrick Sertan, what a home run hit for the Broncos. I mean, he's a shutdown corner. You've got several other options. So the Broncos right now are just kind of playing anything to win at this point. Now they did, they did score 28 points on offense. So maybe there's something slowly cooking here with the Broncos moving forward. But I do see them taking this game at minus three. I think it's reasonable on this line. I'll take them to win at home in mile high, 24-20. They beat the Broncos, or they beat the uh, the Cardinals, and they absolutely uh, revamp a lot of what they should have at the beginning of the season with their offense. Patriots at Raiders. I'm going to take the Las Vegas Raiders plus one. First of all, Mac Jones has been barking at their offensive coordinator. He's been barking at Matt Patricia. He's been barking at a lot of these, <clears throat> a lot of these coaches, which means something is not playing right, and something does not look like its absolute best. I'm taking the Raiders at home. Here's the thing: Derek Carr is playing for his opportunity to stay with the team. And there's a lot of high expectations. Now, the offense has been playing pretty decent. Now, after the embarrassing loss against the Rams, that's probably not going to end up happening again. You would hope for this team. But the Patriots, yes, they ended up getting a win against the Cardinals. I already had predicted that. But this offense is so atrocious for the, for the Patriots. You can't play this way against a team that they've got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro is going to come back healthy as well. So that means that there's going to be some offensive weapons that are going to start to get healthy, except for Darren Waller. That's about it. But the defense, hopefully, hopefully they'll clean some things up. But I think plus one, very reasonable. It's going to be a close game through and through. 24-23, Raiders win comfortably at home, very close. Titans at Chargers. I'm going to take the LA Chargers at home. Here's the thing, injury reports on the Tennessee Titans. No Danico Autry, none of their corners right now are very healthy, but now they do have Jeffrey Simmons. He's obviously healthy, but outside of all of that, their defense has just been banged up. By the way, Traylon Burks is out, which also means that offensive weapon is out. Ryan Tannehill is gonna try to be as reliant as he possibly can. Now. 
if they run the football well, which I do kind of have a feeling that they will, Derrick Henry, if you're running the football against this Chargers defensive line, they're going to get guarantees of feasting all night long because nobody's going to really be a true stopping force against Derrick Henry. But here's the thing. The Chargers are playing with the chances of trying to get into the playoffs. Justin Herbert last week against the Dolphins, he took the matters into his own hands. Didn't care about it at all. And he was able to make off with his throws. He was able to make those plays. And this is where the Chargers acts against the wall. They're going to try to play their absolute hearts off and their tails off against the Titans. I think this will be an interesting game. But no Traylon Burst, no Danico Autry. Not a lot of key pieces that are healthy right now for the Titans. I don't know about that. So I'm going to take the Chargers here at home. Minus 327-23 against the Titans. Bengals at Buccaneers. I'm going to take Joe Burrow and the Buccaneers here on the road in Tampa Bay. Minus three and a half. Listen, I, Tampa Bay has not looked like themselves. The offense, they're not clicking in the right spots. Tom Brady's really just showing off his age up to this point. I am like... I'm really skeptical about how the Buccaneers are really going to end up playing at this point. But I'm going to tell you right now, Joe Burrow, he may not be without some of those offensive weapons, but it doesn't mean that he cannot figure out a lot of those issues. He'll be able to move the football downfield. Tampa Bay's just had some inconsistencies on their end. And now the Bengals defensively, hopefully we'll figure out what's going on with Hendrickson. But they do have some guys that are hurt. I do think it'll be close. I think it'll be very, very interesting. But um, I'm taking the Bengals in this one. I think situationally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not been great. And I think the Bengals, they've exceeded a lot of their expectations. I'll take them to win 28-23, minus 3.5 on the road. Giants said Commanders. Look, this is a big-time Sunday night game. Giants and Commanders. I like the Commanders more, but I'm going to take the Giants plus four and a half. Division rival games. This always happens. Could you imagine that if the Eagles were playing the Cowboys? How close that game would be? I would not be making it at least more than three or four on the line. Um... So to me, the Giants and the Commanders, they are playing with a sense of urgency to getting into that playoff spot. Taylor Heineke's been playing real good. The offense has been figuring out ways to really be better. And the last time this team played, ended in a tie. How could you possibly let something like that happen? Now, both these teams, they're going to want to redeem, redeem themselves. Chase Young is back for Washington. The only problem is, is that the Giants' receivers outside of Richie James, what am I going to get out of this offense outside of a Saquon Barkley also? I don't know if Daniel Jones, when it comes to really distributing the football, if he does have a whole lot of options, that's going to be tough, but I don't I, I, I don't really see that coming for the, uh, the Giants at all in this game. I'm going to take the Commanders to win 28-23, but knowing it's not going to be one of those showings where they're going to beat them more than five and a half, so I'm going to take the cover points on the Giants, four plus, uh, plus four and a half, but Commanders win with a big command, 28-23. Packers at Rams. 
You think I must be crazy thinking that this game here in L.A., you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be coming up and he's just going to be dominating the football field? I'm not buying it. I'm going to take the Rams to win in this game at six and a half. You may think I'm crazy. Now, a lot of pieces have been hurt, but by the way, there has been spurts where the Rams have actually kept themselves up in game. By the way, that miracle three minutes that uh, Baker Mayfield had against the Raiders just only tells you that they are not in a position where they're going to make the playoffs. They know this for a fact, but they're going to play situationally good. And to me, a lot of these young wide receivers and what Aaron Rodgers in the last few weeks has had to deal with, you got Aaron Donald, you got several other pieces as well that you can really play and match up with defensively. I just don't think the Packers really do have that in them. But Aaron Rodgers, he's going to show for himself. But I think the Rams, they're really going to try to get a hold of Aaron Rodgers. And they're really going to try to bring that physical defense. So to me, I'm going to take the Rams 28-21 against the Packers. Six and a half is a perfect number for me. I do think that the Rams, they're going to show for themselves. They're going to have fun. And that's honestly what this season is going to be really just finishing up and and how they're going to end up playing this out so rams win six and a half i will take it oh yeah you knew i was coming in with the fire and somebody mentioned too like with the music that i had his like music's got me feeling like i'm going into a boxing fight well of course i mean think about all these matchups i mean these these are division rival matchups and these are big time games that Guys are going to be coming out with some serious fire, and they're and they're going to prove themselves why they deserve a spot in the playoffs. Because you have teams that are guaranteed to be in the playoffs, and you have some that are outside lurking in. So, a lot of these are going to be bringing out the truths. So that's why I'm like, I, I love this kind of stuff. And and again, I, and especially with the music, I love it because it gets me so amped up for prime predictions. And that's what I was looking for, at least for the show. And I was looking for, at, at the very least, make this segment pop because of the fact of it, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be great. I'm a betting guy. I'm here in Vegas, you know, and, and I love it when I give guys um, a lot of, you know, the betters out there some interesting perspectives. And I'm seeing this with, you know, performances on and off the field and a lot of just, you know, injury reports and such because it's a lot to keep up with. But I'm confident in it. I mean, I shoot, we were we were nine and four last week. So that's why I'm like, we're riding this win streak. We're really starting, to, you know, to grind. And um, and it's just been a lot of fun. So I think I think this week's prime predictions, I'm very confident in it. Three more weeks until the season's over. Um, but still, it, it's a lot of fun when I do this kind of segment. So, all right, that's going to wrap up my time here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. I appreciate every one of you guys for coming up onto the show, joining me, thanking Key Williams from Key in the Building, joining me um, earlier in the hour. Appreciate all of her good stuff. Snake Sports Talk Show, tomorrow, episode 142. Bobby Montagna of Beantown Breakdown will be with us discussing Patriots, Celtics, and so much more. You don't want to miss it tomorrow, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern Standard Time. Snake Sports Talk Show. We'll see you all tomorrow. Have a good day and the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you tomorrow.